Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. God desires to unveil His hope in you, a hope that will transform your life, and this is a gift given to you by His amazing grace. That's our topic today on this episode of The Pursuit. This is episode one. Now let's dive into the first chapter of Ephesians together. Because when you come to Ephesians, Paul is writing to young Christians, and, and you know our key verse for the whole year is Ephesians 1.17, right? Let's look at our outline. It's there at the top, and let's read it together. Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, and I'm going to back up a verse because this is where we started out. Verse 17 says, and I pray, he says, I keep on asking the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, he may give you a spirit of, of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. Remember, I preached on that at the beginning of the year. But now look at verse 18 where he picks back up now. And he says to these Christians, look at verse 18. Everybody there? Shut them there. Are you ready to read it? All right. Let's read it together. And I pray, get your pen ready, that the, underline it, the eyes of your heart may be, what's the next word? Circle that. That the eyes of your what? Now, I know you science majors, you medical professionals, that the, eye, the heart doesn't have eyes you got to get poetic with me today because Paul is being poetic here and he's saying the heart is the seat of the emotions and it's the, he's talking about your soul and, and not just your mind, but down where he gets down, how many of you know something up here but it didn't come real down in your heart, right? How many when you know something gets real in your heart, sometimes it takes a little while for the brain even to catch up sometimes. Somebody shout, that's how faith works. Right? And so Paul says, I'm so glad he didn't say in your brain. He knew what he was doing. He's inspired by the Holy Spirit. He knew what he was saying. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Somebody shout unveiled. God wants to unveil to your heart something. Paul says, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may, here it is, underline it, know what is the hope of of your calling and what is the wealth of his God's glorious inheritance I love that did you say it didn't say your glorious inheritance. he says his because what is his has been given to you his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe how many believe here today Amen. so there is a power for you who believe According to the mighty working of his strength. Whose strength? God's strength. Okay, so let me tell you. Here's a nutshell. Here's what's, here's what's going to happen. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to talk to you about uh, opening your heart to see, to let it be unveiled to you, the hope of your calling. Then on Easter, I'm going to preach about hope. And after that, what's going to happen is, is over the next six weeks, I'm going to preach about that glorious inheritance and the immeasurable power that raised Jesus from the dead that now lives inside of you. Amen? So we got to start out, though, with this hope. 
I need you to know that God has given us a hope. Under, number one on your outline, write this down. God wants to unveil hope in you. God wants to unveil hope in me. He wants this hope to come alive. Now, you think about hope. You think like the world thinks, right? You think about, well, I just hope that happens. It's like wishful thinking. That's not what the word hope means in the Greek. Not the word that Paul used. And in fact, he used it four times in this book. And he's talking about a mystery that he talked about six times in this book. And the hope that Paul, the word Paul uses for hope doesn't mean wishful thinking. Here's what it means. Write this down. It means a certain glad assurance in God's promise. A certain glad assurance in God's promise. In other words, when God said it and God said, this is what I give you, it burst open a hope inside of your soul that you can take to the bank and you know it's coming. You don't have to hope it's coming. You got a no soul. How many got no soul salvation here today? I had a woman argue with me one time. The whole time I preached, she sat on the second row, argue with me the whole time I was preaching about the difference between a no-so and a hope-so salvation. I just want you to know I was the last one standing at the end of the day because she was sitting. And, uh, and uh, I was the last one standing, and I wasn't bulking. I'm telling you, it's a no-so salvation. You can know that you know that you know. She said, I hope so. I said, you can know-so. And listen, this is God's gift to you that you can know this calling that God has given. It's the hope that God gives us bursts up and says, I know this is real. Anybody got that today? Now, what do, what do we know that we have the hope of? We know that God has, write this down, called us to follow Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up between heaven and earth, I'll draw all men to me. How many know that no man comes to the Father unless the Father first draws him? If you've ever felt conviction over a sin, if you've ever felt drawn to come to God, that was God inviting you to come. Now, if God invites you to come and you say, Lord Jesus, have mercy, forgive my sin, is God going to then turn you away? No, it would be cruel for him to invite you and then say, you can't come in. In fact, the Bible says uh, this way, that those who come to God, God in no wise will cast out. If you come to God in repentance, if you come to God and truly want Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, God is going to save you. He's going to redeem you. He's going to invite you in because you didn't choose God. God chose you first. He knocked on your heart if he knocked on your heart, that's the greatest assurance you can have that he invites you into his family. Anybody had that? If you have, say amen. 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 You ought to be praising God he convicted you of your old silly sins. Amen? Hallelujah. I never could get by with nothing. My cousin one time was talking to my grandmother, my mom, uh, years after I became a preacher, and he said, I knew Chris was going to be a preacher. And mom said, how in the world did you know Chris was going to be a preacher? He said, because every time we'd go to the bootlegger and run out in the woods with that case of beer, he'd be repenting between every drink. <laughs> I couldn't get by with nothing. I couldn't even take a drink of that old hot, nasty stuff out in the woods as a 13-year-old and get by with it or enjoy it. I'd be like, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I just, I just need you to know, because I knew what I, I was, I was going outside of God's will, my family's will, you know what I'm saying, and I, and I was, I was, I was being rebellious, and any, any sin's just a rebellion and a pride, okay, you can make anything a sin, it's rebellion, amen, and, and, and so, so listen to me, I'm so thankful God never let me have peace in sin, and it, that's just one illustration, I got all kinds of others. <laughs> But I'm not telling you because this is being recorded. And, uh, uh, but, but I just need you to know, God will convict you of sin, and you ought to shout hallelujah every time he does. You ought to thank God if he don't let you get by with anything. That's grace. God's giving you hope, and God's hope is given. Write this down by amazing grace. I love the word Grace. I'm a big grace preacher. I'm just going to tell you, I believe in grace. I'm not ashamed to tell you that either. I grew up around preachers who are scared to death of the word grace. Oh, somebody might go out and sin. I'm telling you, if you really get a good dose of grace, you won't want to sin. It changes your want to. I don't want to. Amen? Here's a great acrostic for grace. It's not on your outline, but it's just a good one if you ever want to write it down. Grace... What does it mean? It means God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. Mercy is him not giving you what you do deserve. How many has ever given mercy to a kid? How many ever got mercy yourself? Right? Grace is when you give to them what they don't deserve. And that's what God has done for us. And if you allow this to get a hold of you, it'll change your life. And Paul is saying, I'm praying for you who are trusting in Christ. I'm praying that you get a hold of this. Please let God open your heart to understand this amazing grace you've been given. And it'll change your life. So here's what I want to talk about today. How will grace change your life? Well, let's look at Paul's uh, continued writing there in Ephesians. He gets on over to chapter, I, I want to tell you. He gets so wound up about grace, he writes a whole chapter about it, chapter 2. And then he gets to chapter 3, and he tells you how it changed his life. Look at chapter 3 with me. Look at verses 1 through 9. Let's read them out loud and get your pen ready, because as I'm going through this, there are five words I want you to circle. All right? This is how you study the Bible. Here we go. For this reason... Now, what reason? The reason because he's talking about how you've been given salvation and hope through grace by Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, in chapter 2, he says, just so everybody here is on the same page, if you're saved, if you've been forgiven, if you've allowed God to change your life, it's because of, of his goodness, his grace, not your works, for you have been saved by grace through faith, not of your works so that none of you can go around boasting about how good of a Christian you are. Look at your neighbor and tell them, no boasting for you, brother. Sister, just don't even start with me because I know too much on you. Amen? Amen? It's got to be grace. Amen? So watch this. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner, circle that, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, underline that, and over the next uh, four weeks, I'll, I've got to work uh, very carefully with you so you understand 
why this is so important to the passage because Paul is writing to people who are so far away from God that the Jews would not even accept them, the Gentiles, to come into the family of God. And yet the whole gospel is Jesus doesn't just save Jews. Jesus saves all races, all kindreds, all tongues, all people. When we get to heaven, it is going to be full of every nationality under the heavens. Every race is going to be around that throne singing the praises of a redeemer. His name is Jesus. You ought to thank God for that. Because unless you are a full-blooded Jew in this house or watching online, if it wasn't for Jesus, you would not be allowed to be saved today. Because a Gentile was any non-full-blooded Jew. Right? Watch this. And I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. You have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me, underline that. What did God give to Paul? Paul? God gave Paul grace. This mystery, circle the word mystery there, this mystery was made known to me by, circle the next word and say it out loud, revelation. In other words, God unveiled it to his heart. God unveiled to me this mystery. What mystery? The mystery of the gospel that saves Jews and Gentiles, people far from God and people who grew up with uh, religion. It doesn't matter. Listen, can I just be honest with you? I don't care if you did grow up in church. If you were like me and went to church nine months before you were ever born, religion won't save you. Denominationalism will not save you. A style of worship won't save you. Your preferences won't save you. Always good in here now. Only Jesus can save you. Somebody shout, only Jesus. Watch this. So that's what he's saying. By revelation, as I have briefly written above, by reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Who unveils this for us? Who opens our eyes? The Holy Spirit. The Gentiles are co-heirs. I'm going to talk about this next week. They're co-heirs. They're members of the same body. They're partners in the same promise. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus through the gospel. And now watch what Paul says. I was made a, what's the next word? Circle it. A servant of this gospel. How? Underline this whole phrase. By the gift of God's grace. I'm walking so much, I know the camera people back there are fussing. But I'm moved by the Holy Spirit this morning. How about you? I, listen, Paul says, I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. Circle this now. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all above the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. And somebody shout, Amen. 
I love verse 1 and 2. Can I reread it to you? For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me, this mystery that has been made known to me by revelation? The reason I'm calling this series Unveiled is because Paul is writing to these early Christians. He's saying, you've heard my story, haven't you? Haven't you heard my story? In fact, if you want to write this down, you can, you can read his story in Acts chapter 9. That's when he, he, gets, he comes to faith in Jesus, right? He is persecuting Christians, and then Jesus, the resurrected Savior, shows himself to him on the road to Damascus in an amazing testimony. And Paul says, you've heard my story. Hey, you Gentiles, I know you weren't there, but you've heard my story, haven't you? You heard how I persecuted the church and how Jesus changed my life. How many of you can say that since Jesus came into your life, you have been changed? Anybody? Can, can you honestly say that? Can you honestly say, since I have started following Christ, he has changed my life? That's what Paul is saying. That's your testimony. You know what I love about testimonies? No one can argue with your testimony. No one could say to Paul, Paul, that doesn't fit my theological perspective. Paul said, I don't care about your theological perspective. I want to tell you what Jesus did. He changed me. He saved me. I was headed to arrest Christians. Now I is one. I can do that because my wife's out of town this weekend. And I can have bad grammar on purpose. Because she's watching, and right now she's going down the interstate going, oh. (laughs) Paul says, now I am a Christian. Amen? Amen. I have been changed. Here's what amazes me. Look at how it impacted Paul. Number one, Paul says, now I'm a prisoner. Circle that word. I already told you to do it. Here's what I want you to write down. What does it mean to be a prisoner It means to be bound by grace. He's saying, if you understood what Jesus has done for me, you would understand I have chosen. Listen, this isn't something God puts on you. It's something Paul chose for himself. And I'm praying that every one of us will choose this for ourselves. Paul says, I tell you, I am bound up by God's amazing grace. He has so touched my life, so changed my life. I have nothing else to do other than to be totally committed to Jesus. Some of you need to stop flirting with God. Stop flirting with church. Stop flirting with Christianity and either get serious about it or let everybody know that you're putting on a false face and that you're truly a hypocrite. Because that's what hypocrites are. They're actors. And I want to tell you, there's plenty in the church world that are just acting. You're either acting or you're sold out to Jesus. I can promise you this, God doesn't let anybody walk in the middle. You either have to fall on one side or the other. Everybody still love your pastor? Look at your neighbor and tell me he wasn't talking about me. It was really you, but I just, I didn't want to say anything, right? So 
I can't answer that for any of you, and you can't answer it for me. All you can do is get real with God yourself, and if you are overwhelmed by God's grace, you and you alone have to choose. Today, I will be bound up by God's grace and sold out to Jesus Christ 110%. I don't even know if you can go above 100, but I've always heard that. So if you're 110%, you got to be in it for the right reason. Can I get a witness from somebody? Paul says, I'm a prisoner because I'm bound up by grace. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Here's what he wrote back in chapter 2 in verse 5. And he says, and God has made us alive with Christ. Read the rest of the verse. Ready to go. Even though we were what? How many know that you were dead in your sins? I want that to sink in for a minute. I need to tell you that without Jesus Christ, Chris Vaught is a total wreck and a sinner, not because of what God done to me, but because of my own choices and my own black heart and my own flesh and passions and temptations. And that without Jesus Christ forgiving me of my sin, I have no hope of eternal life and no salvation and I want you to know that when I was, I don't even know when, I, I remember being, I remember praying at five years of age. I remember having a relationship with Jesus as a young, young child, far back as I can. But I need you to know that even though as a young child I prayed and I talked to God and I read the Bible and I sang in church and at seven years old I started playing the guitar. Um, you remember how churches used to have those little uh, uh, fake walls up there so that people wouldn't see the women's legs in the choir? And uh, I would sit behind that wall. And I was looking at all the legs. Because I was on this side. I'm telling you, I need Jesus. And I had a guitar in my hand, and I, I, wasn't, I was seven. I wasn't watching legs. I was watching my uncle play the guitar. And that's how I learned to play the guitar. In church, it was horrible. I messed everybody up. That's why we send them to Pastor Kyle's office for practice now. Watch this. <laughs> I'd sit in church and we'd worship the Lord and I'd play the guitar. And I knew about Christ. But I still was tempted and gave in to temptation. I went in my teenage years and I already told you I'd go to the bootlegger at 13. That silly, crazy stuff. I never liked it, but I did it because I, I had a rebel heart. Quick-tempered, Cuban, German blood mix. I had a sassy mouth. Ask my mama. Anybody know what I'm talking about? couple of you, no, most of you don't want to raise your hand by sassy mouth, right? I'm just talking about we all got temptations. Can I get a witness, witness now? Watch this. At 14 years of age in a one-room Pentecostal church house in Beach Creek, Kentucky, out in the middle of the sticks with no running water in the church and lights hanging from electric wires at 11 o'clock at night. Yep. 
long services. I had, I was sitting on the back row with the teenagers and God said, Chris, it's time for you to get real and to get serious and to quit flirting with me. And I got up, quit texting me. I'm talking to Jesus about Jesus. Here we go. And, and I walked up to the front of that auditorium and I knelt at an altar and I gave my life to Christ. They baptized me that night at 11 o'clock at night. That's why I'll never turn you away for baptism if you truly give your life to Christ when we got this tank up here. And since that day, I've been bound up because I can't get over that I don't deserve it. How many of you have got a testimony? I just shared mine with you. How many of you have got one? Be a prisoner to it. Number two, he says, I'm a servant. I'm a servant and I'm empowered by grace. And I want you to look at this with me. Look at verses uh, seven and nine again through nine. Look at this. So Paul says these words. Paul says that uh, this was not known to the people in the other generation, the Gentiles co-heirs, right? Here he goes. I was a servant of this gospel. How? By the gift of God's, circle it, grace. So now Paul says, by God's grace, I am a servant of the gospel, empowered by grace. Who gave Paul the ability to go be a preacher? God did. And how many of you know this, that if you're truly saved, God has empowered you to serve him? In fact, circle that word grace, and out beside it, here's what I want you to write down. The word grace there is the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, charis, and it literally means gift. When you read about God's grace, it's always a gift. It is a gift. It is a gift. It is a gift. How many has ever heard of charismatics? Most charismatics don't even know what they are. Or why people call them that. They think it's because they have one specific spiritual gift. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on your outline. I, I, just, I, mean, I ain't got time to really preach this, but I just want to give it to you. Here's what Paul, the same guy, says now about the gifts of the Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God produces each gift, each charis, each gift of grace. To each person. He says, a manifestation is given to each person for the common good. To one, circle that and say it out loud with me. To one is given the message of wisdom through the Spirit. Shout this with me now and underline it. You're going to see a progress here, a procession. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. How many spirits are at work? One. How many different gifts have you already read about? How many different people were given gifts? Two, at least two different ones, right? One was given wisdom. One was given knowledge. Look at this. To another faith, to another gifts of healing, to another performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the spirits, to another tongues, to another the interpretation of those tongues. It's one and the same spirit active in all these. Watch this. Underline it. Distributing to each person as he will. It's not your choice. 
You don't go to God and say, God, give me this gift. God, give me that gift. No, no, no. You go to God and you say, let me receive grace. And when grace comes over you, you say, Holy Ghost, you give me the gifts you want me to have. Because it's not about me. It's about all of us together. It's given to each one for the good of all. How crazy would it be if everybody in the church had the same gift? Somebody shout, it'd be chaos. And God has appointed these in the church. He's given apostles and prophets and teachers and miracles and healings and helpings and administrations and tongues. And then he asks these rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? Because he just went through saying one's given, one's given, one's given, one's given. Say it with me. Are all apostles or all prophets or all teachers? Do all have gifts of miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Does everybody speak in tongues? Does everybody interpret tongues? No. You go two chapters over and 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33 says, why is this? Because God is a God of order. And he put everything in the place because he says the body is like a natural body. You've got all these different parts. And if every part's working together, what happens? The body is healthy. What, what do we call it when any part of the body stops working like it's supposed to work? It's a disability, right? It handicaps the body. I want every Christian in our church to look up here at me. How many of you today are bound up in the grace of God and can't get over grace? How many know then that God has also given you different gifts and you have abilities that God gave you? And an anointing God has you so that you can do what? Serve. And if you don't use your gifts and talents for service, then you disable the fullness of what God wants to do in the body. Amen? One of the reasons we do these growth tracks is because once you get to begin, become, belong, and bless. When you get to the fourth one, bless, which used to be class 301, is we want to help you find a place to serve. But it's not just serving. It's all these spiritual gifts as well. God has a gift for everyone. And then the third one and the final one today is this, revelation. And Paul says, I want you to know about God's grace. I am a prisoner by God's grace. I'm bound to it. I want you to know I'm a servant I'm going to serve because of God's grace. I'm just so motivated by God's grace. And then I want you to know, and all this was given to me by a gift of revelation. God opened my eyes. And how many know when God opens your eyes to his love for you, it inspires you? How many came this week and got inspired by the Lord? How many were inspired by the Lord while we were singing or while you were praying or maybe something that was said in the sermon? I pray you get inspired. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Paul says this, I have become its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God how? Say this with me, to make the word of God, one more time, to make the word of God, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone what? Mature in Christ. Let me ask you a question. 
What is your grace story? If I were to challenge you this week to take 10 minutes in your devotion time, in prayer and reading of the Bible, if you would take a piece of paper out and just write your grace story, what would be on that piece of paper? In fact, I think it would be a great thing to do this week. Why don't you do that? Write out your grace story. And then just begin to thank God and surrender yourself afresh and anew to what God has done in you. And commit yourself to serve others and to make it known. We're getting ready to come up on the best time of the year for a church, Easter. How many know if, if there's no Easter, we have no church? And I know somebody's going to say, Easter's a pagan word. I, I got that. Somebody blasted me here a while back on social media because I used the word Easter. Okay, resurrection day. We all know what I'm talking about, right? We know what I'm talking about. If there was no resurrection of Jesus, we have no gospel, and we have no church, and there is no hope. But if he came out of that grave, there is hope, and we have a gospel. We have a message. And you are testimonies that of, of resurrection yourself. Write it out this week. In fact, if you want to share it with us, email it to the church. You never know how we're going to use it. It'll be awesome. Amen? And how many of you believe that God wants to inspire you through grace so you can inspire someone who needs grace? Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net, and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit.